0: Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Oh man, we need some energy for the what what service 10:45 a.m. service. If you're excited for Sunday service, would you please make some noise? I need some energy in the room. My goodness, we're feeling good. And praise God, we can push back service. Y'all just keep sleeping in. This is great. The 9 the nine o'clock service, they were pumped. There was like five of them. They're like, yeah, they probably wanted to push service up. They're sick like that. But y'all are cool. Y'all are the the uh, 1045 service. My name is Jerry. Welcome to City View Church, the perfect place for imperfect people. Um, if this is your first time, just to let you know, uh, I am not the lead pastor. That would be my man, Jeremiah Semler in the front. Can we give it up for Jeremiah, our lead pastor? Yes, siree. Hey, we've been having a lot. I don't know if you've been like following us, but you know, Friday we had an event. Saturday we have an event. We had Sunday service. Today uh, we got an event Friday this coming Friday and Saturday and Sunday service. So uh, we're giving Jeremiah a break. So uh, you're stuck with me. Um, however, I still feel like I got something special for everybody. It's going to be a fun time. We're going to have fun. Um, and, you know, we might crack open the Bible a little bit. Why not, right? So let me do this. I'm going to pray, uh, and then we'll... Uh, We'll jump into it. I'm really going to go on a journey today. Um, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. We are in uh, the book of Mark, and uh, it's going to be a good time. So uh, let's, let's pray. Uh, enough of me just talking about nothing. Let's get after it. Uh, Father, I just thank you so much for today. Lord, I just thank you that you are insanely good. I just thank you, God, that you, you know every single person in this room. You know their name. You know their struggles, what they're struggling with. You know the burdens that they're carrying. And I thank you, God, that you uh, just never do anything on accident. That you are in control. That you are, oh man, just so, just guiding every single person here into the freedom and the future that you're calling them to. Holy Spirit, we ask God that you would fill this room. Would you please, as I am speaking, would you please have another conversation with each individual in this room? Lord, Lord, as I am speaking, would, would you please have the, the inner world in every person, would you be speaking to them in their soul? Would you even, as I am saying certain sentences, that you would be saying even something else? That you would just bring the rest where they need it, the peace where they need it, and the hope where they need it? I pray, Lord, that for those that walked in, especially depressed, I don't know if uh, this is for somebody, but I just know that God just has, there's so much hope, and this is the beauty about hope, it's just the future rushing into the present, oh, and that is God's presence. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. So I'm catching you up into uh, this book of Mark, right, and what we have been doing is we have been following this eyewitness account, this dude named Mark who's following uh, this guy named Jesus, and as he's following Jesus, we start to learn some things over the past few months, right? We start to learn that that, that God is not like what we thought he was. That he, he hangs out with people that were the, the outcasts, the, the dirty people. That he starts to change our way of how we relate and think about God. That he's kind of like a father. He's a really good father. Maybe not like the one you had, but he's He's this perfect one. He starts to just change how we think about God and what, what how we even relate to him. And all of a sudden... He He is now going on a journey. The narrative of the story is starting to build. Because he started at a place called Galilee, and he goes on an 85-mile hike or journey to this place called Jerusalem. And as the story is building, we know that Jerusalem is the climax of the story. We know that something is to become. Something is to be done. Something is to be said. Something is going to change. And all of a sudden, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus starts to make a shift. It says this, that he was on his way up to Jerusalem and he was walking ahead of the disciples. Now, this is the one time that you can potentially theologically say that God actually in this moment might have been in a hurry. It's the only time you'll ever see it in Scripture. That Jesus walking ahead of them, but not because he's anxious, but because he's on a mission. He's very determined to get to where he wants to go. But what does it say in the Scripture behind me? It says that they were amazed... And his followers were afraid. They're like, yo, why is he like walking so fast? Like, why is he, I don't know what's going on. Why is he walking so fast? Why is he so like, he's really, he's really going somewhere. This isn't like the Jesus I know. And all of a sudden he pulls them in and he says, listen, like you guys need to understand this. I I am going to be mocked, killed, spit upon and crucified, but I will rise again on the third day. Now, they don't understand this. They're like, why do you keep talking about dying? I just don't understand. Life is going well. You're healing people. Things are changing and going on in this place. What is going on? You're going to die. They don't understand it. But all of a sudden, Jesus is getting inches and inches closer to Jerusalem. And why? He's telling his disciples because he's letting them know the climax of the story is about to happen. And it says this for our text today. And they came to Jericho. They came to Jericho, which is simply the turning point in the story. With his journey from Galilee all the way almost to Jerusalem, the turning point in the story, he is now a day and a half's journey away from Jerusalem, a day and a half's journey away from the place that he is going to die. A day and a half journey from the climax of the story. And it says, and he came to Jericho. And as he was leaving, we pull up in our text here today. He's leaving Jericho with his disciples and the great crowd, with a great crowd. And Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him. They said, shut up. Be quiet. They don't want to listen to you. Be quiet, man. They don't, they don't care. Let him go. Let him do his thing. And he said, he cried out all the more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And in the most iconic moments, the profound text in Mark chapter 10, it says this, and Jesus stopped. And Jesus stopped. He said, Son of David, Jesus, please, oh God, have mercy on me. I just am so lost. And it says, and Jesus stopped. The title of my message today is The Lessons from a Blind Man. And here's what I want you to know. If you were to walk away and have one thing that you as a takeaway for the rest of your life, here's what I want you to know today. Is that a heart posture of dependence always sets you up for a God encounter. That a heart posture of dependence always sets you up for a God encounter. Here's why you need to know that. Because if you think you don't need, like, you will never get a God encounter. You, you, You don't need a God encounter if you think you don't need God. It is in a posture of dependence that is setting you up for a God encounter. You ever look back to some of your life? You start thinking about your life-defining moments. You know, maybe we all have them, right? Like those times in your life where it just was amazing. Like just something happened profound in your life, and it just changed the trajectory of your future. I think back to me uh, early in, in life. I remember a club basketball coach. He's like, "Hey, you need to be on my team." And I was I was floored because he didn't choose me because of the raw talent. Our team was stacked but he chose me because of my work ethic. He just loved that I was just always striving to grow and to get better. I think of another time when when I got my master's degree in counseling and I would say things to people that would that would change their trajectory of their life. It was so important to me. What a life-defining moment that God would use such a broken vessel as me to help someone in their future. And then I think about times where I first had the pastor tacos from Tacos Calafia. Oh, my gosh. I was thinking, God, how can anyone do pork that good? Oh, my. And sorry if you're Jewish because, oh, you're missing out. And I just couldn't believe these life-defining moments. But though we have a lot of beautiful moments in our life, I think it's safe to say we all have some life-defining moments that aren't so good, that are bad. Bad. Or even uh, tragic. And so I think back to uh, when I was in elementary school, uh, my parents dropped me off at a new summer school. I have never been to this school in my life, and I don't know if you've ever been the kid on the outside, but all the social structures, they're already in place. There's already the popular kids, and then you are the not. You are the rejected, you're the bullied, all those things, right? So I'm at this summer school, getting bullied. I'm not the popular kid on this campus. And sure enough, uh, I'm just I'm just trying to make it right and so what do you do you, you gather friends that are the have-nots you' you're, they're not that cool and you just create your own crew right and so I had an amazing best friend we did life together we were the underdogs what was so great is I remember we were playing dodgeball and I remember getting like we were the underdogs they all counted us out and I remember I just I just destroyed the last kid who was one of the popular kids and I was like that's right sit down. That's a victory plus one to our team. So sure enough, uh, we are best friends. We did life together, and I remember my parents were like, hey, we're going to go on vacation. So I was out of summer school for about a week and a week and a half. I came back, and I was looking around the playground for my friend. I was like, Where's he yeah, all of a sudden, I see my buddy. He's sitting on the bench with all the popular kids, the kids that made fun of us, the kids that Talked down to us, the kids that bullied us. And I walk up to him and I was like, Hey, man, like, what's going on? Oh, man, I hope you've been good. Like, hey, do you want to go play? And he's like, No. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, and this is embarrassing because all the people that don't like you already. And I was like, Well, do you, like, did you already, do do you want to play over here? And he was like, No, I I don't really want to be friends with you anymore. These are my friends now. And I remember, so interesting, I remember walking away absolutely crushed for about three seconds. And then the first time I can ever remember in my life that my heart got a little bit hard that day. And all I can remember from that moment, subsequent human failures in relationships where my heart just got a little bit harder And a little bit harder, and I got a little bit more angry, and I started having this mindset, this, I don't need you vibe. I remember I was crushed for three seconds, and then it's almost like I could turn around and be like, I don't need you anyway. Go do your thing. I'll be fine on my own. And I wonder how many of us carry that same heart today. Where we have this I don't need you vibe. We've been hurt so many times. What's the problem is though we've been hurt and we say I don't need you to people, we then project that onto God. And all of a sudden you start living a life where you say I don't need you. I don't need you. I definitely don't need you. And you stay out of my business. I don't need you. Forget you. Do your own thing. Leave me alone. And here's what I've come to find out. Is though that kind of life and hardening your heart blocks you from pain, it also blocks you from love. It will block you from pain, but it also blocks you from love. And here's what I've come to find out, that if God is love, the problem is though you are blocking yourself from pain, you are also actively blocking yourself off from the most powerful force in the universe, the love that was meant to make your soul flourish, the love that was to make you be just just serving others, and your life is changed, and you live a life of generosity and humility and integrity, and your life's incredible, and you're creating beauty into the world. But all of a sudden, you're like, no, forget that. I'm blocking myself off from that that and especially you. And here's what I've come to realize. I tell you all of this because as I read the story of blind man Bartimaeus and this man who experienced an incredible God encounter, I think to myself, Well, what about the other people? What about the other person in the street? What about the other beggar? What about the other, what about the other people in the street? What about the people in Jericho? And all of a sudden it just made sense to me. It's because just like they did then. We have the same view in our souls now where we just go, you know what? I know, I'm, I, know I got problems, but I don't need you. I don't need you. I'll figure it out on my own. Yeah, that's what I'll do. And it's so sad because they're not in the story because they never experienced a God encounter because they lived a life that was actively blocking God from helping them. And I wonder how many of us can relate. What's your heart, heart about right now? But this blind beggar, he's teaching us something different. With his cup and with his coat, he's sitting by the roadside. And it says this in Mark 10, 46. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with the disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And I don't know if you can think about what's going through, but... He's sitting by the roadside. He's got his cup, and he's got his coat, and he's just sitting there. And I wonder if he thought to himself, how did I get here? My life wasn't supposed to be like this. I I, I was supposed to do other things. Where did I go wrong? And I wonder how many people feel that way today. You see, it says that he's the son of Timaeus. It says his name is blind man Bartimaeus. He actually has a name, which is so interesting because in John chapter 4, it says the woman at the well, we don't know her name. In Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler, we don't know his name. But this man, he was the son of Timaeus. He was supposed to be somebody. The son of Timaeus, he was supposed to be. He wasn't supposed to be a blind beggar. But you know what it encourages me? Because we all have a story. And we all get to this place where we never thought we would ever be, this place of begging. And what I've come to realize is that it wasn't, blind man Bartimaeus, it is his blindness that created his begging. And in the same way, whatever's true for the physical is often true for the spiritual. And it's this, that spiritual blindness always creates an inner poverty. It always does. It creates an an inner poverty inside. Even Helen Keller said, she said this, who was blind? She said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. But Bartimaeus is teaching us something different. He's come to educate us. We're sitting in the school of a blind beggar on the roadside. He's got something to teach us. And remember, a heart posture of dependence always sets you up for a God encounter because if you you don't need a god encounter if you think you don't need god but look at the next verse it says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out saying, say, Jesus, Son of David, please have mercy on me. And it says, and many rebuked him, telling him to shut up. Here's what I know about your faith journey. When you start crying out to God, the enemy's voice will be right there to tell you, you better stop praying. He doesn't care. He would have answered quicker. Where's he at? Where's your God? I don't see him. Nothing seems to be going on. And that's, this is what I love. He goes all the more. He says, No. Son of David, have mercy on me. But here's the craziest thing. It says the people rebuked him. And it's so interesting to me that the people that were closest to Jesus were the same people that were actively trying to keep others away from him. The same people that are trying to get closest to Jesus are the ones that are actively trying to keep people away from him. And if you have had church hurt, if there's been people in your life who said, hey, I'm a Christian and they hurt you deeply, I'm going to just do this for them because you'll never probably get it from them. I just want to say I'm sorry on their behalf. Here's why. Because most people, when they try to tell you, like, you need to clean up to come to God, you need to do these certain things, listen. Listen. The truth is, they just don't understand the gospel, and I used to be there. You see, the gospel actually is, we can't change ourselves. We're going to need help. Please, God, help me. It's, I'm, I am jacked up. I'm dirty. I've got problems. God, can you please help me? I need help. I need a change on the inside, and I remember one of my buddies. He was a, he was a drug dealer, right? And I had just got saved. And so when I say that, like, I don't think you understand, like, this is the last place I would ever, ever think I would ever be. I was very, <laughs> oh, this. I thought this was all so stupid. Raising your hand in worship, I thought it was stupid. Talking to God, I thought it was stupid. Praying, I thought it was stupid. And all of a sudden I have a God encounter, and here we go. I'm now like, God's just changing my life. I'm like, wow, he actually does exist, this is crazy. So I'm growing in I'm growing and knowing who God is and, and I'm chilling and I run across my buddy who's a drug dealer at the gym. And I was like, bro, how are you doing, man? He's like, dude, not good. He's like, bro, I am so tired of just, I'm just tired of like being paranoid. Like, like I just, I'm tired of people like worrying about getting robbed. I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of this life. I'm like, bro. Yo, you need to come to church. Like, roll with me, man. He's like, dude, I would. He's like, but I got, like, I still have a, quite a lot of drugs. Like, I've got to sell it first, and then, like, I can come. And I remember going, all right, bro, like, for sure, I'm, like, I'm with that. So as soon as you sell everything, like, just roll. So um, I remember, though, growing in the grace of what the actual gospel is, and I felt so bad for my response, because what I communicated into him was, hey, you need to change yourself and fix yourself now, then you can come to God. You need to get your stuff together right now, and then you can come to God. And I felt so bad about it. And I was like, God, please, if you give me another opportunity with my buddy, like if I run across him, like I just want to apologize. So sure enough, a year later, I run into him, and I was like, bro, do you remember the conversation we had like a year ago? He's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, I want to say I am so sorry. That is not what the gospel is. Like, I don't know if you're still selling drugs, but bro, you need to come to church. Like, you need, like, I'm telling you, God can fix all that. He will meet you where you are. I was like, but the caveat is, you can't sell drugs to our people, but you're more than welcome to come. But he, we, we had a good laugh about it. But the problem is, I just didn't understand the gospel. And so if, that's, if someone has hurt you, just remember, they probably just can't believe it themselves. This is what religious people do. They just can't believe it themselves, so they put rules and regulations. They add on to Jesus. They say, no, 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 it's Jesus. Yeah, and then you need to do X, Y, and Z. No, that, 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 the, it's not the gospel anymore. It's not the gospel anymore. So it says, And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. They told him to shut up, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. The lesson number one from a blind man is you need to shift your Life, your dependence on yourself and onto God. So shift your life from dependence on yourself to dependence on God. It says, and Jesus stopped. He's on his way to the most important event in human history, yet he stops. Bartimaeus could have said, he could have said, well, well, he's passing by. There's there's really no hope of mercy for me. So I mean. I'd, it is what it is. He's passing by. Man, he doesn't notice me. He's, he's surrounded by the crowd. Like, he, he, can't, he can't get to me. He can't see me. He's, he's leaving the city. He's not going to stop. But what happens? Bartimaeus, he shifts his life from dependence on himself to dependence on God. He says, please have mercy on me. I need help. And it says, and Jesus stopped. And if he stopped for him, he'll stop for you. Every single day time every time he will stop for you and i just wonder how many times has jesus been in your streets in your house god has been right there at the table with you but you're just too blind to see it you see it doesn't take a scholar to recognize who god is it doesn't because remember a heart posture of dependence always sets you up for a god encounter always Here's the beautiful thing, is that What I have found in life is that the most beautiful God encounters of your life, in your entire life, are often precipitated by the highest level of dependence. It's when you're in that zone, when you're like, oh my gosh, I need help. I literally can't do this. Please, you have to show up. Please, I need help in my finances. Please, I need help in my relationship. My marriage is going to crumble if you do not show up. And that is where God starts to do the incredible. He meets you where you are. You have an incredible God encounter. There's nothing like him. There's no one like him. You just got to open up your heart. You see, the God encounters that you're going to experience in your life is the love and compassion of God and your dependence on him. It'll always make this beautiful encounter. Because here's what I know about God, is that he always stops for dependence. Always stops. What are you depending on him for? Always stops for dependence. So what's the first lesson? Hey, shift your life from dependence on yourself to dependence on him. He's saying, "Hey, hey, I need help. I need help." And what does it say? And Jesus stopped and said, "Call him." And they called the blind man saying to him, "Take heart, get up. He's calling you." This is one of the most, I I love, this is exactly how I wanna talk to people that are trying to follow Jesus. He says this, he said, the disciples go, hey, 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 take heart, here, here, get up. He's calling you. Here's why I love it so much because following Jesus, let's be honest, is scary. I mean, when you start to actually follow Jesus, you're like, Oh, he's like, hey, I'm calling you over here. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, he's like, hey, I want you to be generous with your finances. You're like, are you sure? You're like, you need to get out of that relationship. Oh, that can't be you. Oh, that, that can't. But it's not just that. It's also shame and fear. When God calls, we go, oh, man, I like, but, man, you don't know what I did last night. He's God. He knows. And he still meets you where you are. And we use like shame and fear, but this is what I love. They, they have this heart in the moment to say, hey, hey, take heart. Get up, he's calling you. But don't miss this. This is one of the, the, the most epic things. It said that this man, he threw off his cloak and he sprang up and came to Jesus. And here's what, my, here's what the second lesson is. Do not forget this. You need to go wherever God calls you. You need to go Wherever God calls you if you shift your life from dependence on yourself to dependence on God The second thing is you got to go wherever God calls you But when God calls you there are things you have to leave behind What I know about God's voice is God's voice creates Because it said in the beginning he spoke the word and the universe was created that there was a beginning to all this Thank God. I want to know where it starts. But the second thing is God's voice always shakes it always shakes. And the tighter you hold on to something lets me know that it's probably not yours to hold. I wonder how many people, guys, are, you know that girl is not a part of your destiny, but you, God cannot fill your hands with the one he has because you're busy holding someone else. Or I think about the girl who's, you're still with that guy, but you know it's not gonna work. In your soul, you know You're like, I can't leave this. I can't leave this because you don't trust God to provide for you over there. And I just wonder that if you realize if Bartimaeus never left his cloak, he would have never Healed. He would have never experienced the God encounter. He would have never been in this moment because you have to understand, guys, your past will become your future if you do not have the courage to follow God's voice in the present. This could have been his life for the rest of his life if he did not say, hey, I've got to leave some things behind because this was his way of making money. This is like the cardboard sign that you see at a stoplight. This is this is everything. This is his identity. This is his comfort zone. This is everything. And he says he throws it off and he's like, I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm going to follow him because he said, take heart. I, I think he's good. Maybe I can leave this. I'm just going to trust that he's good. And, and I don't know if he's going to, heal me. I don't know what's going to go on, but I just have the courage to follow him. Please don't let your past become your future because you don't have the courage to follow God's voice in the present. Please, please, please. It's so important. So God's going to call you to leave some things behind. I've, you've got to switch friends. That's not going to happen anymore. There's some relationships maybe you got to get out of. There's some things in your life you've got to leave behind. You've got to go wherever God calls you. You have to. It's The, the safest place in your entire life is God's will. Now it will be uncomfortable but it's always good. Because remember, anytime God is calling you, he is always guiding you into your freedom and into your future. He's He's like, I don't want you to be a beggar anymore. I've got bigger things for you, and I wonder what that is for you. So the lesson number one, we shift our life, our dependence from ourselves, and we shift that and depend on God. Second thing is you got to go wherever God's calling you. And the last point is this. Jesus says this. Can you imagine God asking you this question? Hey, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) I just love that. What if God was right here right now and said, Andrew, what do you want me to do for you? What would that be like if he looked at you in the eyes and said, Jeremiah, what do you want me to do for you? He looks at me and says, Jared, what do you want me to do for you? I'm like, that is a loaded question. I want a lot of things, right? But here's what's so amazing and what the third lesson from a blind man is, and this is going to be big. you got to ask him to meet a need that you are totally incapable of meeting yourself. You want to see God show up in this encounter of, with God to just blow your socks off? You should ask him to meet a need to do something for you. You have zero impact or control in it happening. Here's what's so interesting about this question. Right before this, James and John, who are disciples of Jesus, they roll up to him and they're like, Jesus, they're like, we got a question for you. He's like, all right, what do you want me to do for you? And they go, hey, when you come into your kingdom, we want to sit on your left and on your right. And Jesus was like, "No," (laughs) he's like, "No," like honestly, I I, I appreciate you bringing that question to me, but like you actually don't know what you're asking, and that's okay. I think Jesus was still like, "Man, that's pretty, that's cool that you'd still ask," because he's really good. Here's a cool thing though, is that it says in James, it says we. We have not because we ask not. And then it says, we ask and do not have. We don't receive because we ask wrongly. We spend it on our passions. Why they were asking that? Because they wanted to be in positions of power. But then Jesus flips it and he says, actually, Mark 10, 45, as the son of man, me, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so it's about what we're asking for. Ask him to meet a need that you're totally incapable of meeting yourself. In verse 51, it says, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Not because you have a ton of faith, but because your little bit of faith, just the, uh, not even a 1% was placed in the right person. Your faith has made you well. And it says this, And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I have seen God do things like this all the time. It's nothing to him. I wouldn't be standing here telling you this if I didn't see it myself. A heart posture of dependence always sets you up for a God encounter. You don't need a God encounter if you think you don't need God. So let that not be your heart. Let your heart posture be, man, I just want to depend on him. Man, I don't know how you're going to come through for me, but here is my prayer. So what do we need to do? What are the three lessons from a blind man? First, so you got to shift your life, your dependence on yourself to dependence on God. Second thing is you got to go wherever God calls you. As I speak those words, I know that there is a conversation going on inside of many of you where you know what you need to do. I just pray you have the courage to do it. And the last thing is this, ask him to meet a need that you're totally incapable of meeting yourself. Let's pray. So I want to pray about three specific things. And the first one is this, it says, shift your life, shift the dependence in your life from on yourself to on to God. And so if every person would just have their heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe as I've been speaking, things have clicked for you regarding this Jesus person for the first time in your life. I don't know. I'm just going to be alongside you for the journey. So here's what I'm asking. I don't know what's going on inside your soul. I don't know if it's clicked for you today or in the past, but I want to lead you in a prayer. The prayer does not, it's not magic. I just want to be a part of the conversation, the beginning conversation that you and God are going to have that's going to echo into eternity, that this is just the beginning point. And so if you've never decided to follow Jesus and in your soul you're like, today is the day, I'm asking you to pray with me. Just say, Jesus I give you my life. And that's it. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't even have to know what that looks like. But just as if it's made sense, just say in your soul, Jesus, I give you my life. And if everyone would still have their head bowed, eyes closed, what I'm gonna ask is on the count of three that you would raise your hand. The only reason why is two reasons. One, I wanna pray for you. Second thing is I just want you to get a gift from from our team. And and it's a Bible, we wanna encourage you and just walk alongside of you. And so if you have decided to pray that prayer, then I ask that you would raise your hand. One, God loves you so much. Two, your life is never gonna be the same. And three, And, Lord, I just, like, let me pray for y'all right now. God, I just thank you so much for the hands raised. God, I feel like the disciple that's just like, hey, take heart, get up. He's calling you. I thank you, God, that you're calling people, that you have a special plan for their life, that there's something beautiful written on the other side, that their story is not over and it's not done and it has not been fully written. But I thank you in the same time that it has, God, that says that you've numbered our days and that there's so much beauty on the other side. I just ask, God, that you would be so real and that your presence would be so tangible in their life and that this moment would be a moment that just echoes into eternity. And I thank you, God, for restoring people back to your family, back into a right relationship with God. And, Lord, would they just know that all their sins, past, present, future, have been paid for. Shame. It's gone. All the things they've done and ashamed about, it's gone. It's been killed on the cross and crucified oh lord i thank you so much and god we ask for those when we said go wherever he calls you lord there's some people in here that they they're like yes i know but i'm so afraid and so lord i pray a special blessing over them god it says we say help our unbelief god would you give me trust in you to follow with your plan because it feels like dying to me But Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just rush in this room, give them courage in their soul to do what needs to be done, God, and would you give them help in every step of the way. And the last thing is this, we ask him to meet a need that we're totally incapable of meeting. And I know in this room, Lord, we know you can see the needs. And so if that need is on your soul, on the tip of your tongue, let him know in this moment Lord, would you meet the need that only you can need? Lord, it says that that you are the great provider, that, that, that everything is on earth. You own a cattle on a thousand hills. There's nothing too big that you cannot provide. And so, Lord, for those of us that are praying for victory, that's the need. For those of us praying for Financial help, Lord, that's a need. And Lord, I just thank you so much that you are the one that stops and you see, and you're there and you're feeling the pain and you're, you are listening and answering their prayer right now. And so here's what I wanna do as we pray. One last thing, let's pray for that need. But listen, I need you to surrender how God answers when he answers, what it looks like, I need you to surrender that in this moment right now. And if it helps you, can you just put your palms up? And we're just saying, Lord, here we are. Son of David, have mercy on me, please. In this moment, whatever it is, please have mercy on this area of my life. Please come through. I need you. I cannot do it. And Lord, I just thank you so much in advance for what you're going to do. God, that you are the provider, that you are the great I am, that you are the refuge, that you are our safety, that you are our security, that you are our good Father that many of us never had. And I just thank you so much, God, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. And as we sing this last song, it's called Anything Is Possible. And here's what I dare you to do. I only say this because I've seen God come through. I dare you to sing this in faith before whatever you prayed about happens, knowing that I don't know how he's going to answer, when, the timing, all those things, but to know he's good and he listens and he is answering your prayer right now, August 15th, mark it in Jesus' name, amen. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? we wanna celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. If you wanna learn more about what's going on at City View, download our City View app through the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can find everything from special events, outreach opportunities, and additional resources all in one centralized location. Links are in the description below. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.